This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach, heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, the show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Liebrach, and today I'm joined by beauty entrepreneur and former model, I was fascinated to read, Alexis Asianus. Alexis is the founder of Silvering, the first North American beauty brand to provide cosmetics and hair care that is uniquely designed to amplify, never hide, the true beauty of naturally silvering hair. Leveraging over 30 years of experience in the beauty industry and her own experience trying to find beauty products that worked for her own silvering hair, Alexis has created a truly innovative and contemporary range of products. A woman who truly believes that wisdom is beautiful. Alexis Asianus is building her brand with the mission to change the way all women see silvering hair to see it as aspirational and chic. I love all of this. Oh, it's done. really cool stuff. Alexis <laughs> Asianus, so excited to dive in. Welcome to Finding Your Bliss. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Alexis, I love that you started back in the 90s as a fashion model and that for 10 years you traveled the world and somehow found your way back to the beauty world working for some of the top beauty brands. Only this time, it was designing stores and fixture systems and beauty displays to help launch products into retail spaces. So for 20 years, you were living and breathing beauty, but just from a different angle. Thousands of products crossed your desk. And then let's fast forward to COVID. Remember that? <laughs> and the number, of sil- <laughs> <laughs> the number of silvering women exploded. And suddenly, it was becoming a trend to have silvering beauty as part of your authenticity, freedom, and I'd like to say bliss. Can you tell us how you, as a creative director, became attracted to silvering beauty and a little bit more about what silvering beauty is all about? Sure. COVID. COVID was so much fun. No, it wasn't. (laughs) I started silvering in 2008 with the birth of my son and I had decided to stop coloring my hair and I got to watch kind of the evolution on my own head of the silvers going from little streaks to bigger streaks to whatever this is now and it's kind of like still evolving. I'm quite fortunate, I think, to be able to see that. And it wasn't until COVID where I saw a lot of other women, you know, because we were all online, I saw a lot of other women who were kind of going through this change for themselves And they were asking the same questions that I was asking. And I was like, it's okay. Let me explain something quickly. If you haven't stopped dyeing your hair, that's great. But for those who have, women understand how beautiful it feels. It feels wonderful not to have shame, you know, not to be concerned about, oh, what am I going to do? I've got a big event coming up. It's like, you just do your hair. You don't have to worry about all of the the (laughs) other accoutrements. And more and more, I saw women who were grow, letting their hairs grow out, were, they were also expressing this like, oh my gosh, this is amazing because so much grows with the grow out. So the beauty is not, I mean, the beauty is obviously in just 
like a hair color that is so dynamic and ever changing and evolving, which is come on, that's that's like a, a small, the coolest, the coolest, yeah, yeah, like it's a bit of a miracle in itself. Yes, but it's the beauty of the feeling that you have when you've let your hair silver. And that's something that I was really drawn to. It's like, okay, so it's, it's how do we accentuate that? Like, how do we amplify not just the beauty, the actual beauty? Because let me tell you, a beauty industry that believes everybody's going to color their hair hasn't been testing their products on silver hair. It's like, you know, you spill, I liken it to like a white t-shirt. You know, you spill a pink shampoo on a white t-shirt, you can see it. And guess what? You won't see it on you, but you'll see it on this. Yes. So, yeah. So in, in my head, I was thinking like, what can we do to amplify that feeling? Mm. And of course, because I have a history in beauty, I was like, there's a hole in the market and there's something we can do that can be uplifting in all kinds of ways, like super positive, like a win, win, win. Wow. Wow. It's very, very cool. I so relate to this also just from the COVID perspective, because (laughs) we had to find another way to produce this show, Finding Your Bliss. We Mm. couldn't do it in the studio for quite some time. And someone said, oh, do you want it to shut down completely? It'll only be two months, a month to two (laughs) months COVID. And as we know, that's not what happened. And like you, I said, no, I've got to make this continue because people need a show like Finding Your Bliss more now than ever. And so we continued, but I'm wondering for you, if you can paint us a picture of the steps you took in order to be able to achieve your dream of silvering beauty in the middle of COVID-19, like starting a company, really finessing this company in the middle of a really very difficult time. Yeah, what were the um, steps that you took? And, and can you tell us, like sort of paint us a picture of what that looked like? It was, I mean, co- uh, okay, I'm middle-aged, so I'm 50. And I was sharing an office with my pubescent son, right? So he's going through hormonal <laughs> changes. I'm going through hormonal changes. <laughs> oh, no. There's the stress of COVID and like this, yes. this unknown future. And then the stress of work. So I was working full-time trying to kind of navigate that and kind of work with the team remotely. It just stress. And I didn't know where the stress was coming from. Yes. Um, but then when I decided to pursue the creation of the brand, I have to say, like, I'm not just a hard worker, but I'm like super focused. Like I, I can focus when I need to. And I think part of it was I had to just kind of like peel everything else away and focus on something that I knew was going to be meaningful, something that I that I could be proud of. Like just, I think all of that COVID noise and mm-hmm. anxiety and everything else almost forced me into this place of like super heavy research, wow. super heavy, uh, like intense learning. Like how mm-hmm. do I, how do I do this? How do I make this happen? How do I leverage technology? Because technology was suddenly being leveraged by everybody. I was like, huh, okay, here's an opportunity. Yes. Um, that so many technical avenues opened that weren't even open before. So it was almost like the path unfolded before me and yeah. And the, the ability to do what I'm doing kind of was there. Was running your own company, something you always pictured yourself doing, like, was that part of the plan in your mind or did this evolve through this experience? Totally evolved. This was not at all the plan, to be honest. I didn't have a plan. A lot of people have plans. I was very comfortable. Like I was very satisfied in my job. I was, you know, as a creative director for a global company, I was doing well, Yes. comfortable, challenged enough, mm-hmm. but growing probably not as much as I would have liked to. And there was something, once I kind of grabbed onto the idea of like, somebody should really do something about this kind of hole in the market. I was like, why can't I be that person? 
And as soon as I thought of that, I was like, oh, I was like less and less interested in work and more and more interested in like pursue this other thing. And I think having been given the opportunity at my old workplace to be intrapreneurial, um, Mm -hmm. they were really great with that. Like their management was really positive to lift people up. I was given a lot of opportunity to kind of be an entrepreneur within the creative space with the team. Yeah. So I had it feel like I had uh, some capability. (laughs) It just sounds like you had a lot of threads in the beauty world that led to all of this. Mm -hmm. Like you were a former fashion model. So even that in itself, you worked in the beauty industry and all of this started to point, you know, that you ultimately had to take a deep breath and jump and have courage and, and, and really go for it. And you also had to believe in this. And I think that what's so fascinating about this is that many trends come and go, but this one seems to be sticking. Can you Mm. explain why you think the trend for silvering hair is a permanent shift? Mm. Here's something that you may not know. And that's the average age that a woman starts to silver is 35. Average. So that means women 15, 16, 17, 18. And then on the other end, they don't start until they're, you know, 50, 60, 70. So the average is 35. And probably before Gen Z, the biggest demographic market were the millennials, right? The millennials, they were like this giant spending behemoth of a demographic that kind of came through and made all kinds of changes to the beauty industry. And a lot of those changes had to do with clean beauty. They had to do with self-expression. They had to do with body positivity. Yes. Okay. So consider that. And now consider that the median age of the millennial is 35. And these are women who are now, they have their own children. And with that body positivity, they're also looking at like, what decisions am I making with my body and what Mm -hmm. I'm doing with my authentic expression and what is that telling my children so there's there's like a different attitude towards silvering hair you know mm-hmm. and i think mm-hmm. that kind of helps to where we are where i am now in my 50s where a lot of women already are in their 60s and 70s and 80s who are just like yes. this is amazing they get it there's a new generation of women who are just like well of course that's an option and i'm i'm happy to take it whereas yes. whereas the the pressures that we had just aren't the same and we just want to like lift that up and, and promote it. That's so interesting. And do you think that people like Lisa Laflamme have made it more glamorous to have silvering hair? Like she's a huge celebrity and a well-respected anchor woman, newswoman. Do you think she's helped sort of the, the cause of all of it's, this? Absolutely. I think her, I mean, her hair is beautiful. Like, come on. But it's not just her. I think having women in the public eye, full stop, who are exceptional at their jobs and who kind of decouple silver hair from age and recouple it to wisdom. So when you have women such as Lisa LaFlemme, who's top of her game, and she is out there rocking her silvers, it says, yeah, I'm a seasoned professional. This salt and pepper is like, it's meaningful. And the more women who see that, I think, it helps to make silvering hair aspirational, right? To bring Absolutely. that to the floor. Absolutely. Yeah. I also love that you really get the fulfillment piece of how important it is to be passionate and purposeful about what you do. And Alexis, you've described that there's a big difference between being just satisfied with what you do versus being fulfilled by your work, deeply fulfilled by your work. Can you say more about that? Oh, sure. And I think probably a lot of, a lot of people in your audience are going to understand this, that there's working for a living 
and and then there's (laughs) and then there's something like when you when you find something that you really love to do and when you have a mission that is meaningful to you um, every day and every decision that you're making even you know the hard days are are less hard because you know okay i'm doing this for a reason you know, and that ultimately makes the wins a lot more valuable. So the win is not just like, hey, I made 20 bucks. You're just like, hey, I'm moving towards this goal. Yes. And it is, it's a different kind of satisfaction. And that's, that's the, that's the fulfillment. That's the fulfillment. And it's longer term and it's going to take longer. And, but it's not as fleeting either. It's that's not, right. it's not like, yeah, that was good. I'm happy about that. It's yeah. like, no, it's not a flash in the pan. It's, it's, yeah. it's part of this whole movement. No, I really get yeah. that. And I, I really relate to that so much. And yeah. it's also very exciting when you see the tipping point occurring and you see that all of your hard work is starting to pay off and people are getting it right. And like it's, it's yeah. thrilling and you create, this was your brainchild. Yeah. So I'll be honest with you. I think there's many women when they hear the word gray hair, they have mm-hmm. a bit of a bias, but mm-hmm. somehow when you say silvering beauty, it takes on a whole new meaning. Can you explain what going gray means to you and to other women? Sure. And this is something I'm very, very particular about, about trying to kind of change language. Language is so important. And you know, yes. in media, like what you say is so important, like the words matter. Mm-hmm. Um, going gray, I mean, you associate going gray with fading, with a loss of vitality and cha- like a, an evolving hair color. That's not what it is. Like this is the idea of silvering is a, um, it's a transformation and it's a transformation yeah. into something more precious, you know? And to, so that's the difference between like going gray and silvering. And it's like, ladies, yes. we're silvering. We are silvering. This is the beauty of being a grown up. I don't know if I talked to you about this before uh, this interview in the virtual green room, as it were, but my best friend, Marcy is magnificent. And she is a silvering beauty person. And in fact, she wants to get your products and start using them. <laughs> I can and set it up. Yeah. <laughs> so many of my friends that I just feel like I don't even know, like without even noticing it, because I've been looking for it now and I'm just seeing them all. And some of them have long hair and short hair and medium, but she is one that really, you know, they're all beautiful, but she just stands out to me as really rocking it and making it like a really cool thing. So it's so interesting how this is, you know, that you're on the show today. And I've just sort of been noticing all of this of late. Mm -hmm. Also a big part of your beauty brand is Silvering's mission, which is to change the way all women see Silvering hair. You were just talking about this, but that's a very meaningful piece of this for you. And I think it's not just language. It's just a whole cultural you know, it's been in the beauty industry for so long that you have to look a certain way, but it's changing. We can see it changing. I see it in the people that are my dear friends that are in the entertainment industry and that are going out there feeling proud and great about how they look. Can you say more just about the mission of changing the way we see it and how can we do that? Well, it's, it's funny. I think there's, um, I mean, there's no question that ageism is a factor in the world you know, that there are biases and especially for women and that has to change. And I think there are so many, so many avenues where that has to change. It has to change in employment standards, in the beauty industry, in fashion, in media. And it's like pervasive, right? Mm -hmm. So my little piece of the pie, and that that's the tiny little piece of the pie, which is my brand is about changing the way that all women see silvering hair. So the aspirational and chic, because if you can see it, you can be it. 
you know, mm-hmm. as a as a young girl or as a as a teenager who's like seeing their first silver hairs, not to be like <gasps> shame, hide mm-hmm. it, but mm-hmm. to be like, ha, huh, you know, and to wear it like a badge, like you mm-hmm. you've earned it, like we've earned every one of these silvers with the passing of time. And it and COVID, if it's taught us nothing, mm-hmm. it's that we are lucky to be here. Mm-hmm. We're lucky Absolutely. to have gotten through it. And living is is an honorable pursuit. So changing the way all women see silver and hair. So that's that's women our age, that's older women, young girls, and letting them know that dyeing their hair is not their only option, right? It used to be the only option. Yes. Now it's like, and it's fine. Like color your hair, that's amazing. You Everybody does what they want to do, but it's not your only option. And mm-hmm. to to kind of like start changing things little little pieces at a time. And this is this is my little again, my little piece of the pie that I'm working towards to just help the next generation of women and girls like just feel better about living, you know. It, it's, Body so interesting. It, it's so interesting also how the media represents and portrays men and women getting older. <sighs> As men age, they become silver foxes. Mm-hmm. You know, so why can't women too? And I think that's the magic that silvering has captured. It's not only about finding products that work that are made for us, but it's about feeling beautiful on the inside and celebrating getting older. I keep thinking of Shirley Valentine, you know, oh, out at yeah. sea and and that gorgeous, sexy, romantic scene where the guy is like kissing her stretch marks and yes. saying they're beautiful. They mean you've lived and you've survived and you're here to tell the tale. Yeah. So how have you navigated that balance working in the beauty space? just celebrating getting older, feeling beautiful on the inside. Like th- this is such a big topic, this ageism thing that we could talk about it forever because people really struggle with. And I, I have to admit, I'm one of those people. That's so why I'm really asking this question. It's, I think, you know, the popularity of attitudes that come from people like Brené Brown, you know, authenticity, yes. authenticity. Oh, and that's where... That. Like the closer you are, the closer you lean into that truth of who you are, however you do it, mm-hmm. however you do it. For women who who have let their hair silver, they are leaning into it in a very particular way that feels really meaningful. And because it's a it's a long process, like to mm-hmm. the grow out takes time. But sometimes I think that time is really important that it's like, ooh, it has to be a little bit hard. It has to be a little bit challenging because you're facing a lot of really interesting stereotypes. You're facing a lot of internal truths about how you picture yourself, how the world pictures things and your relationship to beauty standards. And that's such an interesting and fertile ground to grow from. But however you do it, and I believe this, like however you lean into your authenticity, like this is where you're going to find growth. Like letting your hair silver, that's where I am. You know, that's you know, my, again, my little piece okay. of the pie, but I, I feel like women are doing this in droves and they're finding ways to move into themselves. And, you know, as you get older, it, it gets easier. You know, you care a lot less for all kinds of reasons about, about what other people think. And you start yes. really realizing how much time is wasted on those oh, concerns. It's yeah. so true. It's so <laughs> true. I know that it can be difficult to navigate balancing work and life and, you know, especially running your own business and especially during when you, when you started during COVID, how have you gone about doing that? And do you have a mindfulness or meditation practice that you do? 
Oh, I love that you started. And what people might not know is, is that Judy starts, starts with a, a breathing pattern to like bring everybody down. And yes. I love that. I'm not, that is not who I am. I am like an intense walker. That's what I do. But that's it. I find that very, very therapeutic. My mind turns on like everything yes. like starts waking up and it's a meditation in a more active way. Do you know what's so great that you said that? And I'm so happy that you said that because there are a lot of people who do not like to sit on a cushion or lie down on a mat or their bed, but they want to meditate and be mindful in another way. And it's so interesting you say that because a walking meditation is one of the best things you can do. And there's also, yeah, oh, I'm really been promoting that on my show. So I'm so glad you reminded the listeners of that, that it doesn't have to be just sitting still. It can be moving. Mm -hmm. It can also be noticing. We had a wonderful guest on today, I noticed. And she noticed with a friend that there were flowers growing out of the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. And then they noticed a couple that were a little bit older, holding hands, very much in love, walking very slowly, Mm -hmm. but very much enjoying their walk. And that was a form of meditation. So it's, there's so many ways to do it. And I'm so glad you brought that up as a reminder, not just to the listeners, but to all of us that we need to know that. Do you have a beauty icon? Do you have somebody that you look to as the one? I have to say, I think because I've been in the industry as long as I have, I'm, I don't. Because I think everybody is beautiful in such a unique way, right? Like there's no one way to be beautiful. So to yes. have like one person as the paragon is just, it doesn't make sense to me. Right. Does that right. make sense? Uh, that's um, very cool. Yeah. So I find like, I find beautiful pieces in in my friends. I find beautiful pieces in my family. I find beautiful pieces in people I see in you know, the movie stars and, but, um, but no, I wouldn't, there's no one, there's no one. Do you have any top beauty tips for people who are aging? Cause let's face it, we're not going to look the way we did when we were 20 and we're 30, you know, we're aging. This is our audience. We're 40 plus. And Ooh. all the way up to a hundred and maybe beyond. So yes. yay, <laughs> yay for yeah. that. Uh, Amazing. Beauty tips. And I guess I, I think of a wonderful story when I ask this question, but I'm curious to hear what you think. Yeah. Uh, beauty tips. Confidence is everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and it's really hard to to find confidence. And I think this again goes back to what we were talking about, leaning into authenticity and just appreciating like moving closer to who you are. And then like in an outward beauty, people who try and change things about their faces mm-hmm. or, or their bodies, I find that often counterintuitive. Yeah. You know, you think of someone like Lauren Hutton and you're like, that gap, if she fixed it, yes. she wouldn't be Lauren Hutton. You know, Absolutely. and it, whatever it is that you have, that is you look at it in the mirror and you're just like, oh, that thing. Why yes. can't it be like everybody else's thing? It's like, no, that's your thing. Like yes. <laughs> accentuate it and live it be and be it. You know, nobody wants to, I don't know if you've been to California lately and no offense to people in California, but the last time I was there, um, <laughs> a lot of women just sort of, look the same and they're becoming mm-hmm. more and more and more kind of mm-hmm. one plastified plasticized I, I don't know it's i guess it's yeah. they're all going towards some kind of ideal but i'm not yes. but i think they're they're losing themselves in the process yes. yes and i don't i don't know and again i'm 50 ask me again in 20 years you know how i feel <laughs> but i'm hoping like this is how i feel right now that there's a find the thing that's you and be more you. 
Absolutely. You're reminding me of Michelle Landsberg years ago was teaching a feminist course and and she asked all the young girls in the class, who do you think is the most beautiful person out there? And they it was a time where Farrah Fawcett was was the one. And so they all said Farrah Fawcett, those beautiful, you know, layers and flips and blonde hair and, you know, that pinup, you know, girl. And they asked her, well, Michelle or, you know, whatever, professor, who do you deem to be the most beautiful? And she said, I picture an 80-year-old woman with a ruddy, healthy complexion, Mm. wearing a bathing cap and diving into a pool of water and just, you know, killing it and just feeling so good and so healthy wearing a one piece, you know, but that was her vision of what was the most beautiful. And she couldn't believe they all said Farrah Fawcett. And I think she made them all sort of question their their answer. And that's okay uh, too, right? Like that's like, thank goodness our points of view change over the years, right? Like it's good to grow and it's good to have people challenge your point of view. Like that's healthy. What has been your, the greatest lesson you've learned from your time running Silvering? Like, is there a standout moment or an epiphany for you? Don't answer that just yet. We're going to come right back after this commercial break, back with more of Alexis Asianus and her company Silvering. When we come back, back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. Hi, we are back and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And just before the break, I was asking you, Alexis, if there was a standout moment or epiphany for you in running your company, Silvering. Yeah, there was one moment I realized that there's going to be a huge challenge marketing my business because what I believe and how we promote the brand is that wisdom is beautiful and that Mm. we don't talk about shaming. We don't talk about like, oh, this is bad. You have to fix it. It's like, no, how do we amplify the beauty that you have? And it's a new language. It's a new vertical in the beauty space. I get it, but it's a new language for beauty, for silver haired women. Mm-hmm. And I tied, I tied myself to a marketing company that was just didn't get it. They didn't get it. It was run by a couple of young men, oh. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and it was data driven. And the problem is that the data is true. You know, there is an echo chamber of like, well, people will click on this and it's clickbait. And it's like, that's how it works. Right. And I'm like, I don't want to be that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to reinforce that. So I'm trying to find more creative ways to get around the algorithms. And I Mm -hmm. think with AI being like a further echo chamber to like older language than even we had five years ago is even (laughs) more problematic. And you can, I mean, anybody who's on the internet can see kind of how the garbage is kind of piling up, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) it's a lot of work, but I'm here for it. I'm really here for it because I think that's 
again, language is important. And if I can, it's not even fixing something, but if I can do something well, I'd rather do it well than cheaply. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. (laughs) Can I ask you, because I bet there's people who are not seeing this right now and then hopefully they'll see it in an ad or they'll see it, you know, in our social media promoting this episode or they'll see it to understand what it looks like is very slick and gorgeous. You're advertising in your whole branding marketing campaign, but what are people actually getting if they buy silvering products? What are they actually getting that's going to help? So like in terms of product products? Yes. So I can say they're brows. I'm like, I say brows to a woman with silvering hair. She's like, what now? What? (laughs) Tell me again. (laughs) Uh, Yes. We have brows. We've solved brows. I'm just going to leave it there go to the website. Um, We have (laughs) optical filling powder, which helps to kind of shrink the pink in the hairline because silvering hair is clear. And when your hair is clear, you see a little bit, uh, you know, you see more, you have more skin in the game than you'd like to have. So the optical filling powder not only coats the hair and accents like amplifies the streak. So you can like pull it along your hairs, but it also, you can tap it into your, into your scalp to kind of hide a little bit of the pink. And then we have a product called Tonal Control, which is just, uh, it's a contemporary take on blue shampoo. Like shampoo, you know, I mean, as women, how many shampoos have we gone through? Oh, goodness. <laughs> I know. And it's like, oh, and when you find one that you love, like you hold on to it, like you yeah. really hold on to it. So to say to a woman, oh yeah, but really once every couple of weeks, buy this other product that doesn't smell like you want it to, that doesn't do the things you want it to and all the other things, but just tones your hair. I'm like, that's that doesn't make sense. But we have our toning drops that you add to a dose of, of your own shampoo or conditioner to tone your hair. Doesn't dry, adds nutrients, adds a hit of shine, debrasses and brightens. Boom. And then we have a shine product, which amplifies shine. So we we studied the physical properties of silvering hair and found out what is going to make that shine pop huh. without silicone. Because silicone builds up on your hair. Not a problem if you're dyeing your hair. Again, an industry that expects you to color your hair. Right. But when your hair is clear or white, all that buildup shows up. And then God forbid you start straightening your hair, adding heat to that. And you're like, oh, why is my hair yellow? Oh, it's <laughs> frustrating. So our shine products are silicone free, wash out really easily, bump up the shine, mm. add nutrients, et cetera, et cetera. And then probably my favorite product is the root browser. And it's like a spa in a bottle. It smells like lavender, not like lavender mm. where you're not going to be able to sleep, but <laughs> lavender. It's sweet and calming you know, and you can appreciate that. Um, And it's a scalp serum that again, does not build up on the hair. Like scalp massage is amazing for improving blood flow and promoting growth. Add to that a serum that has other activating ingredients. Then you've got a system, you've got a great nighttime ritual and it's leave-in, won't build out, won't discolor your hair, (laughs) like made for silvers, made for, for the healthiest silvering growth that you could, that you could want. Yeah. So you've teased us with the website. What is your website? Ah, It's (laughs) www.silveringbeauty.com. So silvering is, is of course the name of the company and then beauty because it's a beauty company. It's not prescriptive. It's not I don't know what the word is. It's um, a beauty company. That says it all. That says it all. What are also some of the ways that people can get in touch with you on social media? 
Sure. So at Silvering underscore beauty on Instagram, that's where you can find we have monthly quotes. And again, we're trying to recouple that idea of wisdom and silver hair go together. So we have quotes every week from incredible women from all walks of life. Um, Plus we have our promotions and and such. And then on uh, Facebook. And you have a very active Facebook from what I understand and what I've seen where people are really engaged and you've kind of created a movement here. It's really interesting. And what's wonderful is that people, I think women like to be seen, right? Mm -hmm. And and the fact that it's like, yeah, we need more. Like, why hasn't anybody been thinking about this? And there's a real, I think there's an appreciation, but there's also like, somebody's done it. Somebody's done it and they've done it well. Thank you. And they're very... I think unlike other brands, I mean, we, we have customers who are very responsive to reviews. Like they're, yeah. they like to review and throw their stars, throw their stars great. around. <laughs> and I think so it's great. wonderful, really wonderful. I'm so, so glad that, that we found each other, that it's working. Yeah. That's the best. That synergy is the best. When you see that it's working and people are responding, that just feels so good. I so understand that. So there's a question that we ask everybody at the end of the show. You might know what it is. And I'm going to ask it to you, of course, which is, what is bliss for Alexis Asianus? I should have known that this was going to come, but I didn't. didn't (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. Take Um, a moment. Thank you. I think for me, bliss comes from, it's the result of something. And it's the result of seeing something come to fruition, whether that be like, my child's success, um, mm-hmm. something my partner tries to do and is successful, um, even yes. a meal prep that it's like, ooh, something scary is happening <laughs> here, you know? And then and it's like, oh, it worked out. For me, that's the, these little moments of bliss. It's not singular, like not one beauty, but I, I think there are like little moments of bliss every day. And I, and I feel like they come from being challenged somehow, you know, and like overcoming something. And I think that feeling to me is is like little moments of bliss. Well, this has been a very blissful time with you and I want to thank you so much for it. I really quite enjoyed it and it's, oh, it's kind too. of fascinating stuff. Thanks, Judy. This was really fun. This is really fantastic. Thank you so much. And what a delightful conversation. Right now, we're going to go on a short commercial break. And when we come back, you'll meet Rishma Gavani, the author of The Stars That Shine For You. All of this and more right after this short break. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by Create, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. Create is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. Create is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, Create is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. Create has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? Create Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. Hi, we are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio AM 740, and I'm now joined by Rishma Gavani, the author of The Stars That Shine For You, A Journey of Loss and Love Around the World. Before we meet Rishma and hear all about her beautiful book, let me tell you a little bit more about her. 
Rishma Govani is an experienced communications professional with over 20 years of experience in the media industry. She's passionate about creating tangible change in the area of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Rishma is the author of the children's book, Sushi and Samosas, A Trip of Tasty Transformations, and most recently, The Stars That Shine for You, A Journey of Loss and Love Around the World. She also has two other kids' books in the works that all celebrate diversity in children's literature. She is the proud mother of her two kids, Khalil and Mila, and their puppy, Hero. Rishma Govani, welcome to Finding Your Bliss. Thank you for having me. Congrats again on this beautiful book. The illustrations are so lovely. And I just think the book is overall is great. And of course, I'm wondering what prompted you, what inspired you to write The Stars That Shine for You? Uh, it's a twofold answer. I have been really passionate about children's literature and celebrating diversity. The first book was about food around the world and picky eaters and how when you try different foods, the world literally opens up, you're brought in your horizons, you get to understand different communities and cultures. And so this is a theme that I'm, I'm particularly passionate about and I'm trying to translate into different book ideas. But I was hit with a personal crisis and that was when my dear husband was diagnosed with a really bad deck of cards. And it's almost a, a decade ago, he had six bonus years, as we like to call them, mm -hmm. before he passed in September 2020. Okay. And through that journey, that grief journey, I decided to marry the passion for diversity in children's literature and also my work around grief advocacy, because I started to talk a lot about grief, which is a really uncomfortable, tough topic for a lot of people, really difficult to talk about. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter your background. And really look at what binds us together? What's the common theme? What bonds us together? And I thought, doesn't matter what your religious preference is, what your cultural background is, we can all get behind the stars, at least in a poetic sense, yes. that we all have special stars in the sky for us, bright stars that we can look up and know that they're looking down at us. And so that's really the genesis of the book and where the idea came from. First of all, I'm very sorry about your beloved late husband and how incredible that you took this tragedy and turned it into something good that's going to help other people. And I'm so sorry for you and your family, first of all. And what I appreciate that. Thank you. What a beautiful testament. And I love that you say stars because you're so right. It is such a universal thing that we all, that lights up the world for everybody and that you can look up to for hope and, and for inspiration. And interestingly, we just had, and in fact, it's going to be on the show this week, Ellen and Bevy Schwartz to talk about a children's book they wrote about grief called The Puddle Jumper, which of course has to do with helping people cope with grief. But it's just very timely as the world is in such turmoil these days. And I think children need access to more and more books like this one. Why is talking to kids about a hard thing such a good idea? The world is a hard place and we can try and shelter our kids or we can try to equip them with resources and knowledge and guidance in a child appropriate, age appropriate way. So this book is a resource, but it's also a regular topic that I really want parents and educators and other adults who have kids in their lives to consider having as part of their daily rotation. So it's inevitable that you are going to have a grandparent, a parent, a sibling, a classmate, a teacher, a neighbor pass away. 
there's no way that you're going to protect your kids from that. And so the earlier that you introduce these topics and grief and death is just one of them, but the, the earlier you introduce that stuff, the more normalized it becomes. And then we can have really good conversations and easier conversations and really connect as communities if we're able to talk about it. And as you said, the world is such a fragmented place. So whether it is a conflict, an international conflict and war, whether it is the Queen of England passing, whether it is Matthew Perry, maybe that's probably not a reference that, you know, young kids would get, but, you know, actors and celebrities that they would be exposed to. It's going to happen around you, even if it's not personal yet. It's happening all around you all the time. Absolutely. And what I also love about the book is that you don't just talk about how grief can be difficult, but you look at the beauty of how we honor life. Was part of the inspiration for this book from some of your own experiences just celebrating life? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a duality, right? Because it's such a sad topic. And we talk about celebrating life, which a lot of cultures adhere to and a lot of personal philosophies adhere to. But at the root of it, it's so sad. And so... I started to realize there was all these different traditions around the world. If you look in Denmark, for example, they open the windows of the houses in the neighborhood. And when they open those windows, it's like the soul can pass through and there's fresh air and a beginning. And I just thought it was so beautiful. New Orleans has a jazz procession and that's just like celebration of life. Other cultures would have more of a somber take on it. The Irish have a wake. And they sing songs and tell stories about each other. And they're taking something that's really, really sad and finding a way to still celebrate life. And there's so many other cultures in the Jewish culture. You know, there's a mourning period that happens and you sit Shiva. And that's a whole different type of exercise that I've luckily been able to experience with different friends of mine. But it's this idea of remembrance and giving dignity and allowing the legacy of someone's life to be told and celebrated. Absolutely. I love, I mean, that's, and I, I love that you mentioned the Shiva because I, I find that helps in our tradition, that helps so much get through that seven days, lighting a candle, friends and family coming. And it's fascinating though. We can learn so much from each other, which is so wonderful. As I mentioned, we're currently in a time in the world this morning. So books that celebrate diversity are especially important. What do you think we can gain as children and adults? Because I think this is for adults as well as for children in learning about how we celebrate life and mourning around the world. Great question. And you're right. This book is not just for kids, right? It's when you're asked, what age is this book for? And I'm like, it's one to 99 or 100, you know, it plus it's applicable for all ages. The world is in turmoil. And, you know, right now we're really focused on differences. And I think it's when you look at what is the same, that's what can bring peace. That's what can bring us together as communities, as societies, as countries, as a world. Let's look at what we have together. What we have together is children, parents, you know, and it's so sad. It makes me so emotional. But that's why the imagery of the stars is really reassuring. Because it's a beautiful image. We draw it, it's easy, it's light. It's there when you look for it. And I just hope that everyone can just look up and have some solace with the stars that they see in the sky, wherever they are in the world. It's so beautiful. This next question actually came from my producer and she found it fascinating. And, and I agreed with her that you've had great success in your career at Global Television. 
So she was curious as what made you want to begin to write children's books? Has this always been a dream for you? Was it something you always did? How did it start? How did it evolve? I think a part of me has always wanted to be a teacher. I just don't have the patience for it. So I'm really, really strong and great for an hour. And that's about really (laughs) the time length that I'm really effective. I love children. I just love, love children. And, you know, maybe not always my own, but I love other people's (laughs) children. And the, the book that was my first children's book called Sushi and Samosas, which really looked at food around the world. The idea behind that was actually a food club that I had in the city. And it was called the Toronto Food Lab Club, TFLC. And once a month, we would attempt a different type of cuisine. And it garnered some media attention. And through that, it was initially friends and family, and then it expanded to just strangers. And so together, there'd be 20, 30 of us, we'd try a different restaurant, really obscure ones, not a lot of them that are as populated as now. Like there were really gems, hole in the walls, amazing stories and families that own these mom and pop type of restaurants. And the club naturally slowed down after 10 years. And we had tried over 100 different types of restaurants and different cuisines because they had kids. So it just, we weren't out going out for dinner on weeknights and things like that. And this idea of trying new foods was really a challenge because my kids were focused on chicken nuggets and fries as the protagonists in the book are, as are most kids. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a great, great meal. Staple, staple. Staple for all of us. And so in my mind, it was an extension of this food club and thinking globally, acting locally, thinking globally. So this book had been written like a decade ago. It had just been sitting there and it, it came to a point where it was published in 2021 and it was like, let's just take it off the shelf. Let's just make that dream a reality, see where it goes. And from there, you know, there's been some interest. I got a publisher who has the same mandate, Global Bookshelves, who's really looking at diverse books, not just children's, but all across the board. And so our missions just kind of met. And from there, there's been all these ideas of what brings us together. Like my next one is about dogs around the world. Nice. Uh, To go back to sushis and samosas for a second, I know we're really talking today and I want to tell everyone about the newest book, which is The Stars That Shine For You. But when you, if you had a book launch, did you serve sushi and samosas at the book launch or at the first whatever? So we were in COVID and we were doing food and touching food and all of that. So, you know, it was a very, very soft launch. And I've done numerous readings with different groups of kids and schools and Some of them have been able to serve food and some of them haven't. But yes, that's just like such a great idea. I also want to do, I haven't had a proper launch for even the stars. And I think, how about doing it at the observatory and, you know, on a starry night? But yeah, I think COVID's kind of come in the way of some of those restrictions. Now it's a little more possible. But sushis and samosas really landed during a time that was really different for all of us. Mm-hmm, absolutely. You've said that finding your bliss is not a linear path. What did you mean by that? You know, we often think about this destination and we're on this journey and it's like this long journey and there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I think that you can have blissful moments. You can have joyful moments. You can have, I love this word, glimmer, right? Little sparks of delight every single day, every single hour. I had this beautiful lunch, which was this Greek avocado toast and it was delightful and it brought me joy and that was blissful. So it's not this like big concept that sometimes we put so much weight on 
And mm-hmm. existentially, it creates such a crisis for us because we're looking and we're searching mm-hmm. as individuals. But how about if we just inserted and injected joy and bliss in the everyday, in daily moments? Then overall, your identity and your trajectory has bliss throughout it. It's not just this one destination you need to get to. And then when you don't get there, you're disappointed because you thought you'd reach when you're 30, when you're 40, when I have kids, when I get my degree, when I... It's not this ending moment. It can just be part of your everyday. I think you've probably already answered my question, but there is a question that we ask everyone at the end of the show, which is what is bliss for Rishma Giovanni? So I'm just going to say overall, what is bliss for you? Bliss is so many things. Like bliss for me is... I love to take photos, right? So like really paying attention to what's out there. And there could be like a budding flower, these fall leaves that are like, it's a shape of a heart or they're massive and sunsets and friendship and joy. So it's a series of little moments Mm -hmm. that make you alert, make you cognizant of what's around you. Like we're so distracted. So bliss is when you, you're not distracted. And bliss is like you are in the moment, whether you're having a heart to heart with a girlfriend, whether you are engaged in a really good book or a guilty pleasure TV show. That's bliss. <laughs> Which is your favorite? Oh my God, I watch TV. Oh my God, I, I can't even begin to tell you. What about the new Bachelor? I have well, not started the Bachelor. I've not started very good. But I can tell you I've never missed an episode of the Kardashians. <laughs> so good. Mine is Shit's Creek. And I'm embarrassed to say how many times I've watched every episode. I think it's something like 600. I interviewed Andrew Barnsley, the executive producer. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah. That's bliss. That's yeah. joy. Yeah. And humor and lightness. It can be bliss. It's, it doesn't need to be meditating in a cave and in yoga class. And all of that is bliss too. Like we started out this episode for our listeners taking a few breaths and, you know, we were having computer issues and lighting issues. And by taking these three really deep breaths, we got into a zone. And I'd say that moment when I felt like I inhaled and exhaled and I really concentrated on the breath, that was blissful. Wow. Thank you for saying that. This has been blissful for me to talk to you. I want to thank you very much for being here today. What is the best way for people to get a copy of your beautiful book, The Stars That Shine for You, and to connect with you on social media? Um, I'm pretty Googleable, if that's a word. So look me up, Rishma Govani. You can also look up the books. The titles are Sushi and Samosas. And the recent one is The Stars That Shine for You. They're available on all major online book retailers. And I hope that you take this opportunity to take my mission and bring it into your homes and schools and enjoy it as much as I hope you can enjoy it. Thank you, Rishma. It's been great talking to you. Thank you. Each week, we spotlight a fabulous person on this show like Alexis Asianis and Rishma Gavani, who are both living their bliss, as it were, and helping other people live their bliss too. So if you are a person like that, an author, artist, yoga, meditation, mindfulness expert, or really anyone who is found and is following their bliss, we would love to hear from you. We also love on this show to feature singers, songwriters, and musicians. So if you are one, 
please reach out to us at fyb at findingyourbliss.com. Also, are there any guests or topics you would like us to feature on Finding Your Bliss? Write to us at fyb at findingyourbliss.com. I'm also a life coach, so if I can help you in any way, reach out to me that way as well. I'm on Insight Timer, the number one free meditation app. And all you have to do is search me up as Judy Liebrack. And of course, you can always follow us at The Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook. And guess what? I've succumbed to TikTok. So on TikTok too, find me. I'm available and ready to connect. I would love to thank our wonderful guests, Alexis Asianis and Rishma Gavani for being on the show today. Also, thank you to Mag Ruffman, Siobhan Kylie, producer Olivia Weatherall, audio engineer Juliana Yanitsiello, senior editor Lauren Kaminsky, video editor Sierra Brown-Rodriguez, audio producer Baz Kazi, and everyone here at Zoomer, and of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. We haven't done these in a while, and I'm so excited to share this meditation with you today. We're going to close out the show with a short meditation, and this one is called Love and Light, and here it is. Let's all find a comfortable position, whether you're lying on a mat or on a bed or reclining back in a chair, and make sure to gently close your eyes. And let's all begin by taking in a nice deep breath right in through the nose, holding it at the top, and then letting it all go with a nice slow exhale. And one more here, breathing in through the nose, holding it for a moment, and letting it all go deepening your exhale on the way down. One beautiful inhale here, right in, through the nose and holding it. And again, breathing out in a nice long exhale and just think about letting go and letting be. I would love you to think about this practice as one where we want to send love to all beings everywhere including ourselves. Let us feel the love welling up inside our hearts and let us pray that all beings and all life everywhere be free from suffering, from delusion, from unhappiness and from anger. And instead, may all beings and all life everywhere be brimming and full of love and may they all feel loving, peaceful, compassionate and joyful. No matter how dark the times may be, just know there is light in everything. And imagine that you are full of love and light and you are sending that beautiful energy to your loved ones, to your community and to everyone, to all beings. Also, just imagine that you are sending that love and that light to yourself. Think about the beauty, peace, and serenity that you find near the water or in nature and appreciate that beauty, letting it fill you and then transfer that joy and peace from your heart to all beings, knowing that we are all connected and we are all one. Take in another deep breath here in through the nose. 
breathing in peace and love and letting go of all discontent. Whenever you're ready, gently open your eyes, stretch, yawn, and smile, and come back to the space. Thank yourself for doing this practice and have a beautiful rest of your day. For everyone here, I'm Judy Liebrach, reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.